Welcome to the Hunters and Closers podcast. I'm Dana Haggard, and I'm here to help you fill your pipeline, decrease your time to close, and crush your sales quotas. Well, welcome to the Hunters and Closers podcast. I'm Dana Haggard. I'm really excited to be joined today by Ralph Barzi. Ralph is the Senior Director of Global Sales Development at ServiceNow. Forbes magazine recently uh, published that ServiceNow is the most innovative company in the world with over $1.93 billion in revenue. Ralph's team is the team that builds the pipeline that supports that incredible effort. So I'm really excited to have him join us today and talk about how his team is so successful and share with us some nuggets that might help you in your, in your sales career. So welcome, Ralph. Thank you so much, Danon. How are you today? I'm, I'm well. Thank you for asking. Cool. So I want to ask you, what comes to mind, Ralph, when you hear the words hunters and closers? Sure. Uh, so hunters to me are really prospectors, at least in our world of B2B technology uh, sales. They're really, they're folks who are calculated, they're deliberate, and they're great investigators. They hunt for uh, viable opportunities uh, to build long-lasting building, relation, uh, building business relationships. So uh, I see them really as, you know, prospectors, but they're not violent, aggressive people, you know, hunting down game <laughs> to kill. You know what I mean? I think they're just, they're much more calculated than that. And... Um, uh, they measure twice and cut once. That's great. That's oh, a, and then, that's a, and then, uh, sorry to interrupt. And then I didn't answer the second part of your question, which was the closers. Closers, it's ironic, but closers to me are really openers. They're the openers of brand new relationships. And although they close a deal per se in in sales terminology, they're really beginning uh, relationships uh, between two businesses. Uh, you know, coming to an agreement that works for both parties, et cetera. That's how I see closers. That's wonderful. I appreciate you sharing that. So in your world of service now, uh, how it doesn't sound like hunters and closers are the same person. Is that correct? That's right. Sure. So we have what we call account development reps uh, that our global sales development team is largely comprised of. I would say 80% of our team of close to 200 today uh, are ADRs. And our ADRs are responsible primarily for driving revenue pipeline versus closing new revenue. Uh, They'll build the pipeline uh, by way of booking qualified meetings for our field team, for our sales reps, who then will close the deals. Okay. So uh, your team, the, your team is the, the ADRs that are really building this pipeline. How many leads do you think you generate on an annual basis? That's a, that's a tough one to answer. It's, it's tens of thousands of leads. Uh, what it yields, though, from our team is roughly 4,000 qualified meetings per quarter. And uh, over the course of a year, we will, we will convert that to over $500 million in revenue pipeline. That's amazing. That is so awesome. It's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's really fun. It's a lot of great conversations that we have with a lot of different businesses and business units within those businesses. And, um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, well, it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. It's fun uh, to say the least. 
That's amazing. That is, those are some some staggering numbers. Are you all centrally located in one office? Are you worldwide? How does that look? Thank you. You just picked up where my train of thought dropped. Yeah, we are spread globally. We're in uh, 14 to 15 offices worldwide representing all corners of the globe. Uh, and uh, it's an incredible team. Uh, the second part of our twofold objective, uh, you know, aside from revenue pipeline is we're really a people or a talent pipeline as well. A uh, majority of the ADRs that are currently ADRs become our future sales reps. So what does the relationship then look like between an ADR and a sales rep? Sure. So uh, today we maintain a ratio of one ADR to three upwards of six field reps. So depending on where you are in the world and what your remit and responsibility is with respect to maybe a territory that you own, uh, you as an ADR may support three reps or you may support up to six reps. And uh, we believe that interlock between those two is absolutely critical. Uh, and that interlock entails everything from perhaps if, if you were supporting me or vice versa, Dane, and I'd be really strategizing with you on your territory and making sure that I'm going after what matters most to you and to your pipeline and to your ultimate target or targets. And that might, you know, that discussion will continue probably in micro one-on-ones that we have several times a week. It could be a five-minute check-in. It could be a text or a message via WhatsApp. But we're constantly in communication and making sure that we're implementing systems to, to reach those targets. That's great. So are the ADRs, are they mainly responding to inbound leads? Are they generating outbound leads? Yeah, it's, it's definitely both. Uh, I would say today, probably 60% is inbound lead follow-up and qualification, where the remaining 40% is outbound prospecting. Uh, we also have a number of different roles within our global sales development organization. Uh, and depending on the business unit or product line that an ADR might be assigned to, they may do more inbound versus outbound or vice versa, depending on what role they have. So we have uh, a product line sales ADR that might focus on a specific product line of ServiceNows, or we might have what we call a lead development rep who's relatively new to the organization. And we want to ensure that no leads slip through the cracks and that we make sure that everything gets followed up on in short order, uh, whereas a more senior ADR might focus on just a handful of accounts with a handful of account executives. And uh, most of that work is uh, outbound prospecting. On the outbound prospecting, are you pretty involved in reviewing those numbers? I know I'm kind of digging deep here a little bit, but how much of that is done over the phone as opposed to email and a combination of both? Oh, great. Uh, Wow. I would... I would be throwing out a bunch of vapor if I were to just give you a percentage, you know, like, well, 60% of it is phone for it. I mean, I think the bottom line is it's absolutely a combination of the email, of the phone, of social outreach uh, to get conversations happening. I, for one, don't really pick up my phone. Uh, you have to really get my attention with a personalized message. Your timing has to be great. Uh, and when I say personalized, I don't necessarily mean, Hey, Ralph, I saw you went to St. Mary's college in Northern California. 
Hey, uh, my friend went there too. That's not really moving the needle. What, what's, <laughs> what, what is really enticing to me is when you can talk about a problem that I'm likely encountering with the organization that I run and the world that we work in and uh, pair it up with results that like teams or like companies have seen by working with you and leveraging your offering. That kind of stuff is going to get someone like me on the phone. And that's what our team keeps in mind when they conduct their outreach efforts. They really want to make things personal, but they want to really hit home on potential pain that that prospect might be encountering. And a lot of times that pain, as you know, is latent. They don't even know they have a problem yet until you start to, to surface it. And that's when we can get some serious dialogue going. And that's when people actually get on the phone and start talking. That's great. Yeah. You know, I, I'm like you, I don't answer the phone if someone's going to call and prospect into me. Uh, but what it does do is it puts a voice behind the email, you know, and so I'm going to listen to the voicemail that's left behind and I can within three, four seconds, tell whether or not I want to have a conversation with this oh, individual. Yeah. So it's still key to be leaving those voicemails as we yep. do the social and the emails and just the whole, the whole nine yards. And I think that's one of my biggest pet peeves, pet peeves when I go out and do some sales training or sales coaching is that too many salespeople are not utilizing all of the different channels available to them in their prospecting efforts. And it's, it hurts them in the long run. Oh, absolutely. You've got to use all the tools in the tool chest, all the arrows in the quiver, whatever analogy you want to use. Uh, and don't um, underrate a lot of the media that, that we can use to penetrate a net new logo and get a conversation going. You talk about voicemail and it's funny, but I actually have an iTunes library that's literally filled with voicemails that I've gotten over the last two to three years. And it's fun because you can sort them by length of time. And I've got some that are a minute, 43 seconds, two minutes and 12 seconds of people just rambling on and on and on <laughs> and getting more and more irrelevant as the message continues. <laughs> and I've actually used it in internal training sessions that we've held. But on the other side of the spectrum, some of the best voicemails I've gotten are maybe 15 seconds long. And they're telling me that I don't have to call them back. Hey, Ralph, yeah. it's so-and-so from here. Here's my number. Look, no need to call me back. I'm going to send you a brief, concise, yet detailed email as to why I'm calling you in the first place. And when it makes sense for you, let's make sure we cross paths. Uh, yeah. I've heard great voicemails saying, look, if this isn't something that's on your radar this week or this month or even this quarter, I want to at least make sure you know how to get to me. And even if I'm not in this role in this company in three to six months, by the time you respond to me, I'm still going to be here and I'll connect you with the right people. I mean, those are, that's just, it's got that service mindset yes, uh, yes. to the message and it, it just resonates big time with me. So yeah, voicemail, awesome. voicemail is not dead. That is great. I love it. So in your experience, what are the most important skills that an SDR or an ADR in your case, wow. uh, you know, needs to develop to be effective? Boy, that's a great question, Dean. I mean, we could spend a whole episode on that. Um, a couple punch points that I can think of. Number one, uh, they have great attitudes. They walk into a room and they shed light. And they bring life into that room versus coming in and sucking the life out of that room. They have a great positive attitude. They understand that change is constant 
and they anticipate it. That way, when the change happens, they don't freak out. Uh, they're not tethered to a specific expectation that's con continuously not met. And so as a result, they, get, they can flow and flex with constant change. Uh, the best that I've seen in the business, uh, while they're organized, what's more important is they're just prepared for, for meetings that we have, calls that take place. Uh, they begin with the end in mind, so they know what their target might be for a specific quarter or even the year. And they reverse engineer where they need to be at any point in time in that quarter uh, that, that points them towards hitting or exceeding their targets. They just, they've got their act together. Um, and they're, they work hard at mastering their craft. Uh, they're present to the role that they're in currently. Uh, a lot of SDRs are so focused on being an AE that they're not focused on getting great at being an SDR. And you and I both know that a lot of the skills and competencies that they're going to develop while they're SDRs, they're going to be using them 10, 20 years down the line in their careers uh, when they're AEs uh, and or, I don't know, maybe they run teams or businesses at some point, they're still going to need to know how to network, prospect, leave a great email or voicemail, et cetera. So the, the best that I've seen in my experience kind of possess a lot of those. That's great. I, you know, while you're saying that, um, to go along with that, you talked about being the best SDR right now, yeah. you know, not focusing on being an AD, AE. Um, when I was, managing a sales team a few years ago, I can't tell you how many of the SDRs were coming constantly to my desk and, Hey, when are you going to promote me? When are you going to put me on the team? And, you know, I can't tell you how many of them, 80% of them would show up just dressed like they came out of high school and they weren't <laughs> taking their job seriously. And it was not the type of person that I wanted to necessarily invite to be on my team and as account executive. So while you need to be awesome at being an SDR or an ADR or ADM, whatever you want to call it, um, it's important that you also look and play the role of an account executive because they're always looking, right? Managers are always looking. Who can I oh. promote? Who's the next one? And if you're ready for it, it's easier to promote and bring you aboard rather than you know having to make some big transitions. So, Agreed. Uh, my message to that audience is, number one, uh, focus more on attracting the opportunity to you by working harder on yourself than you work on your job uh, versus pursuing the opportunity, you know, knocking on Danon's door. Hey, when am I, when is it my opportunity? Um, and also know that, you know, when you arrive at the AE role or whatever next play uh, you're aspiring to achieve, there's so much that you're not going to know until you're actually in the role. Uh, sure. You know, what, what's making you successful today isn't necessarily the same formula in that next role. So, uh, yeah, own your career. We all don't own your career for you. Uh, and also know to your last point, you are always, whether you like it or not, setting an example by the way Absolutely. you dress, the way you carry yourself, whether or not you look people in the eye when you talk to them or have a firm handshake or follow up and follow through on things that you said you were going to do. I mean, all that counts. I think this next question really goes into this, you know, what you're talking about right now, but I've heard you talk about how SDRs, ADRs need to be contributors of value. Yeah. Can you elaborate upon that a little bit more? Sure. Um, I got that concept out of a book called the first 90 days and it's written by a gentleman named Mike Watkins. And in it, he 
unveils this concept of the break-even point. And what the break-even point is, it's really for new hires or people new into a specific role in their company. Uh, when they start in that role and they're onboarding and they're learning, they're, they're consumers of value. They're gobbling up case studies and they're understanding the process. Uh, you know, a lot of new AEs have never gone through the red line process with legal and they just, they don't know what scopes of work uh, might look like or how they're crafted. And they're just learning, 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 consuming. Well, the second they hit what Mike calls the break-even point, they are contributors of value. They've closed that first deal or they presented in front of a a team of executives uh, externally or internally. They're starting to produce. They're starting to contribute. And the same applies to the sales development role. You really need to focus on expediting your time towards the break-even point so that you hit it much faster and become a contributor of value versus a consumer. And another study uh, was done probably mid-2000s by a gentleman named Mark Leslie, and he produced um, a great piece of content called the, the Sales Learning Curve in the Harvard Business Review, and has since gone on to talk on behalf of Sequoia Capital and some other uh, firms about the sales learning curve, which essentially says the same thing to account executives, how they need to show the return on the investment that the business has made in them uh, by way of their sales and their consistency of performance. So that's what I mean by being a contributor of value. And it, it, it applies to everybody and, and every role, if you think about it. That's great. Yeah, it's so true. You know, you can tell the difference between those that are sucking all the resources and and time and and brainwaves of everybody else and those that are contributing to the organization and adding value. And those are the ones that everybody wants to be around, right? You want, you you feed off of them and it it makes you more enthusiastic. It helps you to be successful. So it would be awesome if a whole sales organization was built with people that are all contributors of value. That's a great way to talk about it. Well, hats off to you, Dane. And, you know, when you start producing content like you're producing with this podcast, you're spreading that message to more and more people. So your listeners and your viewers hopefully are taking good notes and they're picking up on that value and obviously applying it to their own workplace. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you, Ralph. I think that's the whole key behind the podcast is to help, you know, sales executives, SDRs, ADRs, AEs, everybody to just understand that we're all human, right? We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have bad days, but it's okay because we can learn from them yep. and we can be better at our, our trade and help people solve problems and, and you know accomplish great things that they've never been able to accomplish before. So that's the whole goal behind it. I love it. I'm right with you. So uh, tell me, if you could go back, this is a question I, I often like asking people. If you could go back to the beginning of your sales career, Either what would be the advice that you would give yourself or what would you do differently? Wow. uh, Fabulous question. Uh, You know what? I'd probably pick up where you just left off. I would, I would do a better job of chronicling my journey through the sales landscape, Uh, the ups and downs, the rough patches, the, the bright days and peaks I'd want to make sure that I was chronicling it and then sharing it with our ecosystem uh, and letting people know, you know, what the day-to-day grind might look like or, you know, uh, what patterns I've observed that have led to more success than failure. Uh, Similar to, 
uh, my friend, uh, Morgan J. Ingram, he created the SDR Chronicles on YouTube uh, as a channel, literally, to, to share what he's going through as an SDR with the marketplace and with his peers. And, you know, the more value you add to the marketplace, the more valuable you become in the process. And that's precisely what's become of Morgan. He, I think he produced 120 SDR Chronicles and uh, wasn't an SDR very long after he started publishing that consistently and sharing his journey across the sales landscape. More and more people, to your point, Danon kept learning from him and taking good notes and applying some of the rough patches he was running into and some of the goodness he was seeing. He soon led the SDR team that he was part of and then went on to work with John Barrow's training teams all over the world uh, in doing what what you and I do. And so um, that's what I would tell my younger self. Hey, man, you got to share what you're going through and don't be ashamed of it. It's okay to be vulnerable yeah. and let people know what, what you're going through, good, bad, or otherwise. I agree. Yeah, that I think that's, I agree with you. That's been one of the biggest keys that I've learned in my life is not to be ashamed of it, not to hide it, but to understand everyone goes through it. And we'll go through it in different ways, but to learn from each other, right? And that's that's the whole part of life. That's what we're here for is to learn and to grow and, and to accomplish. So it's cool. Yeah. Do you be authentic in the process. Don't, don't, don't fake it. Absolutely. So uh, last question here. What's what's a sales tool that your SDRs have found to be most beneficial in their prospecting? Uh, a technology outside of what, you know, like a playbook, you mean? If, if, if you were left on a deserted island oh, and boy. you had one tool to begin prospecting, what would oh. that tool be? Could be a platform, could be a service, could be anything. Wow. Uh, so the, the first that comes to mind right now is uh, if we're talking about technologies, for example, it'd be Sales Navigator from LinkedIn. I mean, it's just, you as you peel back the onion in that tool, it's, it's um, chock full of insights and intelligence about the individuals that you likely want to have a conversation with, as well as the companies that you're trying to do business with. Uh, but if you're resourceful enough to use that resource, you can go a very long way with, with LinkedIn Sales Navigator. I think a lot of people forget that we are all connected, Danon, through one to six degrees. You and I know a lot of the same people. And uh, the same applies to your prospects. Uh, if you know, you don't have to cold call if you are resourceful and you leverage mutual connections and you learn how to ask someone to broker an introduction or make a referral or connect you with someone. Uh, if you can get really, really good at that, it's, it's a wonderful world. And uh, you'll be able to meet a lot of great people in our marketplace, sell a lot of goods, help a lot of businesses and, you know, just move us all forward as a result. And I think that's a great start is sales navigator. I won't go super ethereal and macro on you saying that the number one tool is right here. It's your mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like go to LinkedIn sales navigator, for example, and use it, use it well and, and use it wisely. And you'll, you'll be, you'll be great. That's awesome. Yeah, there's there's so many great resources inside of Sales Navigator that just go unused. I oh, think for man. lack of education, I think for lack of effort. Um, but 
I have found, you know, seven figure deals in sales navigator that, you know, are, have changed my life and, you know, people's lives that I've worked with. So it's, it's an amazing platform. Yep. It is. Yeah. I hope, I hope that answered the question. For yeah, I know that that definitely did. Thank you very much. Cool. Well, uh, I'd love to give you the, the time now to tell us about ServiceNow. Tell us about uh, anything you'd like us to know, and, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, take a look at us, servicenow.com. Essentially, we are um, an enterprise service management platform. We operate in the cloud, and we enable essentially every business unit across the enterprise to streamline their workflow, their day-to-day operation. So uh, what I mean by that is anything from changing a password on your laptop to ordering a chair for your office uh, to IT teams uh, assessing all the assets that they have and addressing incidents and problems. It's all done virtually in the cloud via ServiceNow's platform, hence the name ServiceNow. Uh, we, help, we help serve the organization quickly so that people can get their work done. Uh, and it's uh, it's an awesome time to be here. Um, I, I appreciate you mentioning our mention in Forbes. We're, we're constantly trying to innovate and bring more goodness to the ecosystem that we serve. So it's it's a true honor to be mentioned like that. Absolutely, that's a, it's a great honor to receive that recognition. So it is. We, so you should be proud of that. We and are. All that you add to it. So that's fabulous. Well, I appreciate you joining us today, Ralph. It's been a, an awesome conversation. I know that those that will listen to this will gain some great value from it. So thank you for being open with us and sharing you know, what you've learned and what you're doing at ServiceNow. Um, it, again, if anyone likes the podcast, please review it. Please like it. Please subscribe. And let me know if anyone you know should be a guest on the podcast. So thanks again, Ralph. Thank you, Danan. Have a great one. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Hunters and Closers podcast. Join us for more great learnings on LinkedIn, huntersandclosers.com, and our YouTube channel.